0: You're listening to A Conduit's Diary, a podcast featuring my diary entries as I investigate paranormal activity. This is rated explicit because I have a foul mouth and I'm kind of an asshole. Be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast so you can share the love. In today's episode, we're going, going, back, back to college. Welcome to episode number two, Tucson 2007, part one. I don't even know how to find a party, lamented my roommate Cassandra from the top of her bed. We were both sitting in our dorm on a Friday night, bored out of our minds, unsure what to do about it. College started a week before, enough time to make alliances in the dorm, not enough time to get into the swing of school and suffer quite yet. We were lowly freshmen, new to freedom and wanting so badly to truly experience it. I bet we could, like, walk around, I suggested. "'I'm not sure where we would walk around. "'The campus was dry, allegedly. "'We were 18, not old enough to go to the bars. "'I don't know the first thing about a frat house, "'and Cassandra was way too mousy, "'and I was too shy to scam our way into one. "'Plus, I was pretty sure you had to be invited to a party. "'You couldn't just show up.' "'Why did I pick the pre-med hall?' she cried, "'falling back onto her bed with a loud sigh. "'Because you're pre-med?' I offered.' She smirked over at me before turning her gaze to the ceiling. That's probably our problem. We picked a dorm that has squares in it. I doubt any of these people even know how to score booze. She said booze with a drawn-out emphasis, proving she probably had never drank. Cassandra was from a town pretty close to mine, but our circles never crossed. I wasn't surprised by that. My graduating class in high school was 1,200 students. Phoenix Metro was large and expansive, and something as small as a quarter of a mile could put you in an entirely different school district. Cassandra was also way more bookish than I ever was. Her accolades included captain of the debate team and something to do with a science fair. She constantly corrected people that she wasn't just pre-med. She was going to do more than be a doctor. She was going to do research and discover things, as though that was mutually exclusive. Looking back, my goals weren't any less lofty at the time. I was going to be a psychiatrist. I was going to help people. We don't know how to score booze, I retorted. Oh, it's totally haunted, floated a conversation from across the hall. Cassandra sat up like she'd been shot. She insisted we keep our door open at almost all times to invite others to converse with us. A few people down the hall did, but for the most part they kept to themselves. They all had friends from high school or some obscure club or sorority they recently rushed. Cassandra and I were left to fend for ourselves. She swung her short legs off the edge of the raised bed and landed on the floor with a quiet plop. She slid her Adidas slides and padded to the door, peering down the hall to make eye contact with RRA. The Pre-Med Hall was one of the few co-ed halls in the entire campus, which gave us a male RA. His name was Steve. He was tall and kind of cute, but also very douchey. He told us on day one that he was in the early entry to some Ivy League medical school and that he'd be very busy, so don't expect a lot of tolerance with partying. In truth, I'd seen him even less than my parents since moving to Tucson. The man was never there. Now he was leaning against the wall in the hallway, trapping a girl I recognized from another floor of our dorm from Retreat. Her arms were crossed over her chest, and her thick blonde hair sat in a low ponytail, cascading down her shoulders. Her posture made it clear she wanted nothing to do with him. He was oblivious. What's haunted? Cassandra asked, her eyes wide. I hovered in the doorway, torn between morbid curiosity and genuine panic. Steve spun around, his eyes narrowing on Cassandra. The girl trapped by Steve looked relieved. Oh, nothing, he said quickly, dismissively. Cassandra pressed. Come on, Steve. What's haunted? He says, this dorm, the girl piped up, using the distraction to slip away from the wall and join us a few feet down the hall. The entire dorm, I questioned from the doorway of our room. By what? Asbestos and poor taste? Strong words coming from someone wearing gauchos and a ribbed tank top, but that was the style at the time. You can only judge me so much. No, there's a lot of weird shit that's happened in the dorm over the years, Steve intoned, his voice changing as he tried to creep us out. Remember, this was July 2007, just one month prior to the murder that would take place on the other side of the dorm, but that's not my story to tell. Otherwise, there was no known hauntings or deaths in the Graham Greenlee dorm. I knew this because I researched it before picking dorms. Graham Greenlee was appealing for a few reasons. First of all, it was the cheaper of the dorms. Built in the 1950s, it's as rustic as you could get while still being near the center of campus and most of the gen ed medical classes. It also wasn't Hopi, which had swamp coolers. The pre med hall was a plus, so was being co ed. At that time, I was still filled with the internalized misogyny that made me think I didn't get along with girls. Above all things, though, it wasn't haunted. The University of Arizona didn't have a lot of haunted property mostly by virtue of not being particularly old and because the blogosphere that liked to invent tragedy didn't really exist yet. Other, newer dorms were priced out for my meager scholarship unless I wanted to get two jobs instead of one. While Graham Greenlee was old and not as modern as the other dorms on Highland, it was a perfect fit for me. What kind of weird shit, pressed Cassandra. The blonde girl, who moments before looked like she wanted to evaporate into thin air, seemed to change her mind as Cassandra spoke. Yeah, Steve, what kind of weird shit, she echoed. The corners of her mouth turned up in a small smile, and she relaxed against the wall. There's a basement, he said, clearly trying to regain face. It's locked, only the RAs have keys. That's hardly the entire dorm, the girl said. Yeah, she's right. If the basement is haunted, but it's locked, what good is that, asked Cassandra. Hema. The girl introduced herself to Cassandra, who took her hand and gave it a firm shake. Cassandra, Rachel, she said, pointing to herself and then to me. I waved from the doorway, watching cautiously. Yeah, but I can get you into the basement, Steve argued. Okay, but if the haunting is in the basement, how does that make the whole place haunted? Cassandra argued. Steve pulled the keys from his pocket angrily, dangling them in the air. Do you want to see it or not? He practically hissed. "'Don't have to ask me twice,' Cassandra said, raising her arm to motion to the hallway. "'Lead the way, dearest R.A.' Steve glared at her, glanced at Hemma, ignored me, then turned to walk down the hallway, clearly upset. Cassandra shot me and Hemma a look of amusement before following him. We headed down one of the side stairs, taking it to the bottom floor. There was a smaller hallway I never noticed before, which led to a locked door. It was the perfect time of night for the Endeavor— The sun had set about 30 minutes ago and threw the hall into an orange light from the old fluorescent bulbs that ran along the stairway. Steve played with his keys until he found the one that unlocked the basement, turned the knob, and pushed the door with a low creak. Behind the door looked like every other hallway in the dorm. The hall was long, lined with identical doors on either side, the same ugly green as the rest of the dorm. The air smelled stale, stagnant, like dust and mold. The four of us waited in the doorway, peering down the long hall as our eyes adjusted, none brave enough to take the first step past the threshold. Cassandra broke the spell. It's pretty creepy, she said loudly, nodding. Haunted? I'm not so sure, but very creepy. She reached beyond Steve, perhaps a little too close, and flicked the light switch. Every second or third light blinked on, bathing the hallway with the dusty light illuminated it looked like every other windowless hallway in graham Greenley. cassandra took the first few steps into the hallway and tried the first door on the right locked she tried the next few until one finally opened and revealed an identical room to the one we had upstairs the biggest difference was the window the window was a tiny slit near the low ceiling otherwise the room was littered with broken pieces of standard issue dorm furniture We followed behind her, silently peering into each room, finding them all filled with broken furniture and trash. At the end of the hallway stood the bathroom, also a twin to the ones upstairs, but rank with mold and smelling like the sewer. Standing water pooled in the furthest shower. We all backed out and grimaced. Well, that was anticlimactic, Hema said as he retreated. You know what would spice it up? said Cassandra suddenly, wagging her eyebrows. Wait here, seriously, just wait. I'll be back. She turned on her heels and practically sprinted down the hallway, leaving Hema, Steve, and I to stand awkwardly and stare at each other. How long have you known Cassandra? Hema asked, by way of making conversation. A week, though it feels like forever, I admitted. She laughed, nodding. In, in your pre-med? She asked me. I shrugged. Kinda. I'm psychology. You? Biology, mostly herbology, if I'm being honest. Going the botany route, she said. I've been accepted to a prestigious medical school next fall, Steve interrupted our small talk. We both glanced at him, blinking. We know, we said at the same time, then laughed. Steve didn't find it funny. Thankfully, by then, Cassandra was hauling back down the hallway with a ton of random items in her arms. She used her foot to close the door to the main stairwell and practically skipped to us, kneeling on the floor to settle her things. She arranged a few candles on the floor and pulled out a board game. Hey, candles aren't allowed, Steve started. Cassandra waved her hand to silence him. Neither is sneaking into the basement. In for a penny, in for a pound. She pulled the board game out and laid it flat. My heart sputtered. A Ouija board? Emma's eyes widened. No way, she called out, kneeling down the floor near Cassandra. Is this what I think it is? Oh yeah, standard issue, Toys R Us brand, Ouija board. Easy way to commune with the other side. Come on, Steve, let's see if this place is really haunted. Cassandra taunted. In truth, I'd never played the game. My mother was extremely skeptical about their utility and efficacy to call on the other side. My dear, she always used to say, Peering over her cup of tea, why use a tool, we are the tool, we are the conduits. She never cautioned against the use of them, just made them seem irrelevant. Why use a flashlight when you could see in the dark? Now I watched Steve swear under his breath and kneel down on the ground next to the board, and I found myself doing the same, folding my gaucho pants around my ankles to avoid truly touching the dirty floor with my bare skin. Cassandra lit the few candles for effect before jogging to the light switch. flicking it off bathing the hallway in darkness everyone's played before right she asked us i shook my head no but Stephen hema nodded really rachel i thought you'd have you love spooky shit religious upbringing i lied she'd see right through that if my parents ever visited but hopefully she'd forget that by then she nodded understandingly pulling the planchette out of the box that sat discarded behind us so we start by opening up a portal Then we put the planchette, this piece, on the board and ask a series of questions. A spirit will move our hands to answer the questions. And, this is very important, we must close the portal when we're done, saying goodbye. She pointed the words to the upper corner as she explained. Let's get started, said Steve, seeming excited for the first time. Hema was sitting next to him, the edge of her knee touching his. He obviously noticed it, and it turned a sour mood from his evening being hijacked. We each reached out and placed our fingers gingerly on the edge of the planchette. Cassandra closed her eyes and cleared her throat. throat) Spirits of the Graham Greenlee Basement, we call upon you, she said, loud and clear. Her head was tilted back, listening for our response. We all held our breath and waited for something to happen. Nothing did. If there are any spirits here, move this planchette to let us know you're with us. Silence settled over the area. Let me try, said Steve. Cassandra reluctantly opened her eyes and tilted her head back down to the board. Spirits of Graham Greenley, he said, a little too loud, causing us to flinch, I am Steve. I live among you. Speak to us if you're here. More silence. I glanced around the shadowed edges of my vision, reluctant to turn too much lest I spot something. If something was here, I could see it. I could hear it. I wasn't at the point yet where I could feel them or summon them. But if one spoke, moved, I'd hear it. I kept my back razor straight and my eyes down at the planchette, willing my vision to ignore anything beyond what was in front of me. I don't think anything's here, Emma whispered. Pretty empty, I agreed, angry at myself for the catch in my voice. Thankfully, no one caught it, and they all continued to stare at the planchette. (sighs) It was worth a shot, said Cassandra, after a few more minutes of silence, clearly disappointed. She rose from her spot and dusted off her pants. I watched as the dust filtered through the candlelight and tried to ignore the shape just beyond her, crouched in the corner, watching. Cassandra walked right past it, and it turned to watch her go, vanishing, when the light flickered back on. I stared at the space for a solid 30 seconds before leaning down to push the planchette to goodbye and blew the candles out. That night, I dreamt of the basement. In my dream, I could hear the echoes of the water dripping from the faucet at the end of the hallway. It was rhythmic, like a metronome. My feet were silent on the carpeted floors they tracked, bare and dirty, through the long hallway. Despite the lack of windows, the hallway was illuminated, causing the dust to swirl in strange patterns as I moved, ignoring me. I could hear noise from each room, echoes of students in the days past. Most were laughing, though some were crying, or whining, or fighting. It was just whispers, residual energy from days long since past. There's a scientific principle, that matter cannot be created, nor destroyed, just changed, altered. The same exists within the spirit world. Energy put into the world didn't just evaporate when you died, or left. It carried with it a brand, an imprint that stuck to the walls of a place, like a college dorm, places fraught with emotion. Wake up, I willed myself. When I opened my eyes for my dream, I saw a hallway. I blinked, clearing my vision. Did I sleepwalk to the bathroom? I turned to my left and right, trying to clear the sleep from my eyes and see how far down the hall I'd wandered. To my surprise and horror, I didn't see the room numbers that denoted my hall. Instead, I saw dirty doors, blank except for the dust that coated them i was back in the basement i swallowed hard feeling the panic rise in my chest how did i get here i saw steve lock the door to the basement after we exited i saw him click the lights off that was hours ago was this a prank i turned on my heels looking for signs of cassandra or Hema or steve if this is a prank it wasn't fucking funny i looked down at my feet and saw they were bare and i was still in my pajamas I listened for a sign of life, but I heard nothing. "'Cassandra,' I whispered into the dark. There was no answer. "'This isn't funny,' I pressed, wrapping my arms around myself. It wasn't cold, it was summer in Arizona, but I felt a chill pass over me. "'You seemed like you were having a good time earlier,' said a voice from the shadows. I froze, knowing full well what owned that voice.' I could sense it on the edges of my vision, the smallest trick of light, the swirl of dust, the movement of static. It prickled along my bare skin and caused the hair on my neck to raise like an angry dog. "Sorry if we disrupted your hiding spot," I said carefully. I willed myself to turn around, to fully embrace what was speaking to me, what I hoped we hadn't summoned on accident. The shadow was as it was earlier, crouched, human-like, in the corner of the hall. My eyes had long since adjusted to the dark, lightened only by the few doors that were open to allow the meager moonlight to slide into the hallway. It seemed to be kneeling, the general figure of a man. When it spoke, it didn't move, didn't take in a breath. Even the dead did that, they like to imitate themselves in life. I'm curious about you, the shadow said, unfolding itself to its full height. It was still cloaked in the shadows, but even from where I was, I could tell its proportions were wrong. Its arms were too long, the tips of its fingers brushing nearly to its knees. Its body was one shape, a rectangle, with its hips and shoulders being of equal distance. Its head was elongated, tall, pin-like, like someone grabbed the top of it and stretched it upright. When it moved, it did so disjointed. No grace, no bending, just jerking. Don't be, I'm pretty boring, I responded. It tilted its head, a dramatic gesture that looked more like a neck snapping in a noose than a normal human movement. But you saw me earlier. No one else saw me. You looked Right at me, it pressed. Its voice was hollow, echoing off the edges of the room as if it were in the bottom of a great auditorium. And you can hear me and speak to me, it said, excited. Yeah, I agreed lamely. I didn't want to invite it any closer. It was already only five feet from me, which was at least half a planet too close. Are you a witch? It asked. I shook my head, then, unsure if it could see me, I said, No, I'm not a witch. Just a girl. A girl, it repeated, its voice turning down on the edges. A girl who can see me. Can you see others, girl? It asked. It was moving closer by the second, closing the distance between us. It did so without actually moving any of its body, just floating slowly toward me, the tips of its indistinguishable feet dragging noiselessly against the ground. I took a step back. Sometimes, I answered, taking another step. It didn't slow its gradual float toward me. It passed through the moonlight and I saw what the shadow was concealing its body was inky darkness, not quite black, but the absence of color, as though light couldn't quite penetrate the surface. As the light of the moon flickered over where its face would be, I saw two large sockets, empty, gaping, which looked both at me and beyond me. It had a gash for a mouth, drawn haphazardly, as if an afterthought. It gapped and yawned as it spoke over-exaggerating its precise way of speaking. If it had a jaw, it would have been completely unhinged. My breath caught in my throat and I suppressed a scream that started in my stomach. I could feel bile hit the back of my tongue. Once beyond the moonlight, the figure stopped, considering me. We'll meet again, girl, it said, emphasizing the last word, when I have use of you. I sat upright in bed, gasping for air, clutching my chest. I was in my dorm room in the middle of the night, with Cassandra snoring quietly across the room. I threw back the covers, feeling suffocated by them, slick with sweat. I ran a hand across my brow and swung my feet over the edge of the bed. I tried every breathing trick I knew until I felt the panic attack subside and the dream dissipate. Just a dream, I murmured to myself, nearly laughing as the panic passed just a fucking dream because you have an awful imagination and you watch too many stupid tv shows i trailed off opening my eyes my feet were covered in dirt a Conduit's diary is created by me written and produced by me mixed horribly and edited by me cover art created by bmc design on fiverr Music, intro and outro, created by Chris Hornberger.